0: Will anybody ever get to the bottom of what happened at the Kamloops Indian Residential School? I'm not optimistic. I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed, and you're watching The gun Show.
1: My first question might not be the easiest for a politician to answer, but this is Rebel News, and I'm Dreia Humphrey. Thanks for having me. Thank you. In 2021, the Tecumseh Te Shwetmik First Nation Band government said that they found the remains of 215 children who were former students of the former Kamloops Indian Residential School. The reality is that to date, not a single body has been discovered The banned government itself has revised the wording of their claim to say that it's 200 probable graves, no mention of specific children anymore. And the only way to know what's actually beneath the soil would be to excavate, which the banned government has not done in two and a half years to date. Meanwhile, in Canada, 96 churches have been burnt or vandalized across the country since that initial claim was made. Many of the fires are proven arsons, And the vandals often leave messages that tie to the initial 215 kids claim buried in unmarked graves. My question is, why, just like the leftist media, the NDP, the Liberal government, are the Conservatives also so quiet about this truth and good news, which is that to date 215 children's remains have not been discovered there, when that truth coming from political leaders could potentially help set free Christian Canadians from attacks on their places of worship?
2: Thank you for your question. I would disentangle two parts because there is no justification for burning down a church, period. Uh, Regardless of the other information or uh, regardless of the other justifications that people would claim to, to use, there is never a justification to burn down a church. And we as conservatives have called for stronger criminal sanctions for arson against all who carry out these attacks. We've also called for more security infrastructure around places of worship so that we can stop terrorists who burn down churches, who attack mosques and synagogues. Unfortunately, these crimes against religious communities have raged out of control after eight years of Justin Trudeau's catch and release system, after He has divided our country and turned people and groups against each other. We have more violence directed against religious uh, groups, including Christians, uh, than we have ever seen in Canadian history. This is the result of Justin Trudeau. He is not worth the cost. He is not worth the crime. And he is not worth the country that we know and love. And we should provide the resources to allow for full investigation into uh, the potential remains at at, uh, residential schools. Uh, Canadians uh, deserve to know the truth and uh, conservatives will always stand in favor of historical accuracy. Uh, None of this changes the fact that the residential schools were an appalling uh, abuse of power by the state and by the the church at the time. Uh, And we need to move forward in a country that is free so that every single Canadian Uh, whether their ancestry goes back tens of thousands of years or whether they have been here for 10 days, uh, has the freedom to live their life in prosperity and uh, happiness. Thank you.
0: That read there is my friend and colleague, Drea Humphrey, asking the leader of the official opposition and I think probably the next prime minister of Canada why his party is not seeking answers with regard to what is alleged to have occurred at the Kamloops Indian Residential School. Initially, it was reported as a discovery of 215 bodies in a mass grave. Children allegedly murdered at the hands of the Catholic school at a residential school. It was something that sparked a nation of fire bombings of Christian churches vandalism, attacks against Christians, and it was something our prime minister said that he understood. Remember this clip? As I've also said, uh, it is unacceptable uh, and wrong that acts of uh, vandalism and arson uh, are, uh, are being seen across the country, including against Catholic churches.
2: One of my reflections is, I understand the anger that's out there against the federal government, against institutions like the Catholic Church. It is uh, real and it is fully understandable given uh, the shameful
0: history that we're all uh, becoming more and more aware of uh, and engaging ourselves to do better uh, as Canadians. Unlike the Prime Minister, I don't know what could compel someone to burn down a place of worship. I also don't understand what would compel someone to not seek evidence of their claims. Now, someone who has been dogged in her pursuit of the truth is my friend Drea Humphrey. She has done her best to try to get answers, and there really are none. She joins me now to discuss what she knows about the Kamloops Indian Residential School, why maybe those answers are not forthcoming yet, and what the Conservatives should do. Take a listen. Joining me now is my friend and my colleague, and really uh, someone who I would consider an expert on the file of the lack of evidence being uncovered at specifically the Kamloops Indian Residential School, Drea Humphrey. Drea, thanks for jumping on the show with me today. Yeah, you put a really great question to uh, leader of the official opposition, Pierre Polyev, and we'll get to that in a second, but let's go back a little, just put this all into context. You made a documentary on this, um, so I think you're one of the few people in this country who have really gone looking for answers um, where there have been none. Tell us, you know, if you were a new person to this topic, give us the Reader's Digest version of what we know about what happened at the Kamloops Indian Residential School?
1: Yeah, well, like myself and everybody else, we were the same. We heard this claim that came out May 27th, 2021, and that was that the Tecumseh Kamloops Te First Nation Band Government, had discovered 215 children buried in an unmarked grave. It was unclear at first whether they were saying one unmarked grave or unmarked graves at the former Kamloops Indian Residential School. Now, when I heard that, I was just as shocked as everybody else. Uh, Got my boots on the ground. We went down there to bring everybody a report and make sure to talk to people. We talked to people who actually attended the school. There was so much sorrow, there was so much grief, but there were so many questions uh, remaining. And, and I didn't expect to see that happening. So I would say that initial report that I did after the claim was probably the hardest report I ever had to do sure. because I was blindsided with going, well, wait a second. The claim says that by use of ground penetrating radar, that is how they had discovered the remains of 215 uh, former students as young as six years old. And so when you look into ground penetrating radar, you go, that's absolutely impossible to make a statement like that. Not only what's under the ground specifically, how many bodies are under the ground, but how old they are. So that's sort of the beginning of uh, journalistically how I was like, okay, well, how do I juggle, you know, the very real pain, um, you know, letting the public know about that. But also letting the public know something else isn't quite right. And so I think that report, instead of it taking 48 hours to get up, it took like two weeks because yes. I had to keep trying to get answers, which even now I still don't get that directly from the ban government. Um, but I had to get enough to let everybody know in that first report that, hey, this, this is the claim. I, you know, it. Doesn't seem like it would be unmarked graves, stuff like that and I don't understand how they're getting that. So, that's how it first happened and the documentary came about a year later when it was kind of like enough is enough. It's been a year and nothing has been made clear. The only thing that's made clear is that they had actually backpedaled and um, the expert that who made the discovery, Dr. Sarah Bullier, had now started saying it was 200 probable graves. Um, So that got our boots on the ground yet again to just show people that uh, what we were told was untrue.
0: And there hasn't been any real efforts to bring confirmation or closure. I think to find out that these are not graves would be a great thing for this country. And you would think that the powers that be would want to know, A, are these not graves? that's wonderful. A genocide was not committed there. Or on the flip side, if this is bad, how do we hold the responsible accountable? How do we bring closure to the families, if that is the case? But there really has been none of that
1: done. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And let's not forget about repatriation, which is really important to the Indigenous community. That is having what's rightfully yours returned back so if there are hundreds of buried children there from that school that means they're from all over british columbia which is not just the Shwet-Mick, uh first nation children so usually you would think that you would want to know a what happened to these children and where do they belong and bring them back rightfully so to have proper burials so that's just another aspect of it
0: So what is the reluctance then, do you think? I'm probably asking you to speculate here. Yeah. (laughs) To excavate and find out, uh, are these tree roots? Are these, you know, weeping tiles, um, as might be the case based on some old um, records that have been uncovered? Or are these graves? And if they are graves... Are they just forgotten graves mm-hmm. or something far more sinister? What, what I'm asking you to speculate, to speculate, what's the
1: reluctance to get to the bottom of this? I can't really speak to the reluctance. I mean, I did speak to Cookby, Chief herself, and she said, uh, you know, we're we're entertaining the thought of doing that and then they had the interlocutor involved and things like that seems overly complicated but i will lay out some facts and then the viewers can speculate on their own sure um it's not just the hesitation to excavate that raises questions it's also the fact that the rcmp weren't allowed to do an investigation there the bc coroner's office has never done an investigation there so Many people think there was a mass murder of children there. And to think that the RCMP and the BC Coroners has never actually investigated that property is quite shocking. Then you couple that with why the RCMP backed off. They initially, as you would expect them to do after that announcement, uh, were asking questions, going there. Um, and former Senator Marie Sinclair spoke on behalf of the ground penetrating radar uh, specialist and basically said it was racism. He basically said, you're you're intimidating her by asking these questions and I've advised her to lawyer up. And and that was the end of it for the RCMP. So you have the specialist who makes this claim, who by the way, I've looked into very much and really has no excuse to make such a claim through ground penetrating radar. She should know better based on her experience, who won't ask questions And remember that there is RCMP right on the property, right beside the school. They are part of that community. It's not outsiders coming in. So even their own RCMP have not done an investigation. Um, So I think that's important to know. And then we go two and a half years later and there's still no excavating being done. No proper explanation for why other than, you know, we're trying to be culturally sensitive.
0: And there's money attached to this. Right. Like they're uh, Ottawa pledged three hundred and twenty million to these bands so that they can search for residential school discoveries. And I I don't know what, if any, strings are attached to that. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you just get money to search, but you never actually have to search? I'm not sure how that works. There seems to be very little clarity or accountability to appears to be a third of a billion dollars just going out the door
1: yeah it's actually they pledged 330 um i know that for sure they've handed out 90 million um but again if people want to speculate based on facts try to remember what big event happened in the world it happened in america but it had everybody looking into social justice issues Mm. systemic racism back just before may 2021 can you remember what that was George Floyd, right? Yeah. So you had the Black Lives Matter movement and all the traction that was happening. And when you look in the Truth and Reconciliation um, Commission report, one of the demands is that they want help finding these unmarked graves. They had oral testimony, even, even in Kamloops, that there was unmarked graves. So they wanted help. And the government actually said they would do that. They said they would give some money, but they never did. So what if it just seems like the right time to shine light on this issue and get the money that they they were owed that they were told and a week after that announcement went out maybe less than a week patty hadju who um she actually went out and said okay we're going to give 25 million um you know right away that's what she said and then what happened well we have an unmarked grave we have an unmarked grave We have an unmarked grave. They were all reported as discoveries, but if you actually look, most of them had suspected they've had an unmarked grave there for quite some time. It wasn't something new, and many of them, unlike uh, with the Kamloops Indian Residential School, many of the chiefs said, listen, we know there's a grave there. We know it was marked at one point, but over time, the crosses have uh, broken down and we just wanna you know, give them a proper burial. That's totally fine. So again, (laughs) you guys do the speculating. Yeah, I, I mean it's, it,
0: and you know when you look at the language attached to this, you see Justin Trudeau kneeling with a teddy bear at Cow's Nest First Nation, um, with his actor's tears in his eyes, crocodile <laughs> tears. Yeah, um, using terms like genocide. Mm-hmm. And what I will say about the United Nations, and as people know, I am not a fan of that organization in general. But they actually do a really good job of investigating real genocides, Mm -hmm. like Rwanda, like the former Yugoslavia. They have teams of forensic investigators that go in. They can determine how old the people were, how they died, um, their ethnicity, all those things um, to hold people to account. And I've often wondered why, if indeed this is a genocide the way Trudeau has declared it, that we are a genocidal state, Why? Has nobody called in the United Nations investigators who would do a good job of investigating this? Except insofar as they probably don't want it investigated at all.
1: Yeah, a lot of it doesn't make sense. There's also uh, there's been a halting of the money that we've been paying specifically for that. The um, the First Nation there in Kamloops has said, "Oh, oh, we we don't want any more." So right. what's that about? That's interesting. Well, you haven't discovered exactly what's happened to the probable children underneath, so so why stop? Um, so I can't give the answer to the UN. I can't give a lot of answers. All I know, can do is the ask the questions and make sure that the public knows that this, this stain that has been put on Canada and Canadians on an international scale has never been confirmed, period. Right, and set off
0: a series of attacks Mm -hmm. on Christian churches uh, all across the country. And it didn't really matter the denomination, although a lot of it was strongly focused on Catholic churches and ironically on Catholic churches that exist to serve the indigenous community. Um, (laughs) I I think you would have to be a social justice activist in an urban area and quite possibly white Mm -hmm. to not know that by and large, the majority of indigenous people in this country are Catholic and attacking and burning their churches is attacking and burning a part of who and what they are. Um, but th- that is exactly what happened. You've covered this extensively. Just give us a breakdown about how many churches were mm-hmm. attacked. And it wasn't always just churches. It was, you know, it was uh, cemeteries. Sometimes yeah. it was statues. That's... I'm It was a lot.
1: Yeah, that's very, very important to point out because I think I have a rant coming up about CBC basically (laughs) excusing these church burnings. And and they only show one side, which is, um, you know, an Indigenous person who hates the church and isn't sad to see it go up into flames. But even if you hated the church... You're right. These were attached to cemeteries. That's what they're setting on fire is their loved ones. Um, You know, cemeteries where they actually go back every year and visit. And this was in indigenous communities, many of them. In the summer is where it started in the Okanagan out here in BC, in dry areas in the Okanagan. I mean, they could have lit the whole reserve on fire. So it doesn't make any sense, but you're right. There are a lot of indigenous Christians. And so this has been so frightening. According to a um, uh, a measure done by True North, they say that at least 96 churches from that 2021 announcement have been burnt or vandalized. CBC came out, and I'm, I'm looking into this to correct this. It's going to be like a part two of my rant with them, so you'll see my rant today. But um, they say that 33 churches have been burnt. But if you look closely, their wording is like 33 have been destroyed so there is a difference between what's completely annihilated and what was set on fire so i have to look at those numbers but even if it is only 33 churches right that's not an only since may 2021 this is insane and why are so many people quiet about that if this was a synagogue if this was a mosque there would be hell to pay yes yeah, and it's not just burnings, it's vandalisms.
0: It's throwing red paint all over the doors of a church. It's writing genocide across the front entrance of a church so that parishioners and congregants have mm-hmm. to run the gauntlet of anti Christian hate before they can attend services. It's mm-hmm. desecrating a statue of Pope John Paul II in Edmonton, who was the most ecumenical mm-hmm. and um, I-, I would suggest the most pro indigenous pope ever um just google the words john paul ii kissing indigenous and it, the man couldn't keep his lips off indigenous people he was just let's hope in a good him way him. it was great he he he, he yeah. um and f- for pope john paul ii for people who don't know he thought it was really important for people to worship in their own cultures that christianity was it's a it's a faith for all humanity and to make it um, unique to the culture in which it was being practiced, and that was really important for him. And so that's why it was really important for him to have outreach to indigenous communities. Um, and yet, his statue was uh, desecrated by, um, I suggest, white liberal know nothings in Edmonton. So many people were never, never <sighs> caught for any of this. Yeah. It seemed like there was just a lack of investigative curiosity in any of this. Mm-hmm. It's just been hush hush. Now, you put a great question to leader of the opposition, Pierre Polyev, just a couple of days ago on this topic, because like you, I think it's important that it is not forgotten. This is, mm-hmm. I think, the single largest anti-religious attack probably in North American history. I
1: think so. When you see
0: how systemic and devastating it is and how it is like in such a short time frame and I have two points to make here, but then I'll let you talk because I'm doing a lot of talking and I'm supposed to be interviewing you. That's what we Uh, do. (laughs) um, First of all, uh, cultural sea change in the Conservative Party of Canada, letting us in and Mm -hmm. letting us ask good questions, which is, uh, I think, a win for everybody. It it allows the Conservatives to speak directly to their base because I think the Venn diagram between the Conservative base and our viewership is probably a circle. Mm And uh, they know we're going to ask tough questions, and I think the conservatives are better at thinking on their feet than the liberals are, so it gives them an opportunity to showcase how much better they are, which is exactly what we saw from Pierre Pagliot.
1: Yeah, you're right. I, I mean, I think I ended my full report on that with saying, you know what? Conservatives watch us. Conservative people watch us, but we're not going to mm-hmm. stop asking tough questions to conservatives. And I feel like that was a very tough question. I even say that, Tim, you know, this isn't going to be an easy uh, question yeah. to answer. And it's not an easy question for me to ask. I was nervous because it, it's just such a weighted question. Right. Um, you want to make sure you deliver all of the the facts because it's been so in the dark that people won't even know what you're talking about. If I just to say it wasn't true people would just think I'm some weird conspiracy theorist right but I think all in all being in that situation he did answer that question pretty good he said that uh, Canadians deserve to know the truth and that's exactly what we're trying to do here is bring them the truth and expose that there's another side to the story here that's being buried and that's why I also asked him why have the conservatives been so quiet about the now 96 and counting churches that have been burnt or vandalized uh, since that claim. And the fact that, you know, them and every other party, they're all standing up for a moment of silence for a discovery that never was. It's for people who know the truth that that claim hasn't been substantiated. And then they watch every leader in the house stand up and pretend like it is. What does that say? Like it's all a charade. And so that's basically, what my question was. <laughs> no, I thought, it, I
0: thought it was great. Your question was basically, um, is anybody ever going to give Canadians the truth on this issue? Because you are right. These politicians could be having moments of silence for tree roots and weeping tiles. Mm-hmm.
1: Like, but that is the flip side sewage of Sewage plots is another. There's yeah. there some plans that suggest it could be sewage plots.
0: Yeah. And, and so I, I think Canadians are entitled to know our own history. Mm -hmm. And right now, as it sits, we are letting the progressives write our history when the facts are there, just beneath the soil. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes, that's simple.
0: Now, Drea, tell people how they can go back and watch your documentary on the Kamloops Indian Residential School, because you did. I mean, you did your best to get answers. But -hmm. I think at the end, again, there really were no answers. Or none forthcoming. And I Mm -hmm. think that is a symptom of this whole problem. Uh, But you were really the only journalist that ever actually went there and tried to talk to the people. Mm -hmm. Everybody else was just happy to believe what some pseudo expert on ground penetrating radar was saying about who and what Canadians are.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, the documentary is available for free. So if you want to learn about what hasn't been discovered, I usually say, and uh, help other people learn, it's at KamloopsDocumentary.com. And uh, basically it's like that. It had been a year, still hadn't gotten answers from the band. Not only did I not get answers from the band government specifically, in the documentary I do, I, I talk directly with Cookby. But also, they had moved you know, things out of their museum and sent them off to back east. Like it was it was weird. So uh, you go there and also there's a part I really, really think was profound and that's when we asked the people of Kamloops and they are still living in the dark even though they're right there and they're living under this cloak of shame as well. So um, I think it's it's worth the watch. It's worth the share. I won't stop reporting on this issue as long as there is another side of the story that's not being covered um and so we're going to continue keeping up with this and if you appreciate that then please consider donating as well it takes a lot of resources to put documentaries out mm-hmm. and all of the research that goes behind a documentary like this so if you want to chip in a few bucks you know a coffee a day or something then that's much appreciated while you're there
0: you know drea uh, i was going to lead with this but i didn't think it was important because the truth doesn't really matter. But you have been very careful about all of this because it is close to home for you. You are Indigenous yourself. And so for a lot of people who try to discredit your journalistic curiosity as, well, you don't know. You're not one of us. Um, you, you don't know about our cultural sensitivities. You do.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I have family members who attended the day schools, so day residential schools. They weren't taken from their home uh, back east. And that's another reason why it was so hard for me to do these reports is because I not only had to think about people who really believe there's for sure 215 buried kids there or, or whatever um, at these other claims, but I also had to deal with my own family. <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know, but but that really put the pressure on me to make sure when I report on these, it's just facts, facts, facts. Like you asked me to speculate, I said, "Here's the facts." You can't, because then I'm not in trouble. I'm not doing anything <laughs> wrong. These are the facts. This is what's happened. No one's answering, or this, or here's the answer I got in the, in the documentary. There's a little trickery to get the BC coroners to talk because they weren't talking to me too. Um, so, yeah, sometimes I don't always mention that I'm black and indigenous. And it's funny because when I do, there's one of two things. Uh, people uh, say I'm lying. I don't know why. Uh, the second thing is I'll have uh, people, I think they're rebel supporters, and they'll say, oh, Drea, you shouldn't use the black card. And right. so to that, I say I'm not using the black card. I am again pointing out the other side of the story. It's no different than gays against groomers, for example. they're saying that not everybody in the LGBTQ community thinks it's okay for a grown man to dress up sexually as a woman and go teach other people's toddlers how to shake their hips like a drag queen. So they say gays against groomers. So when I think it's appropriate, I do point out that, hey, not everybody who's Indigenous thinks it's okay not to get answers about potentially hundreds of dead Indigenous children. And I think that that's important.
0: Yeah, I do too. I mean, uh I walk a little bit in your shoes as a farmer who would never consume seed oils. <laughs> <laughs> then you had to say, I'm a farmer. Yeah. I'm a farmer. i yeah. Don't give me them seed oils. <laughs> Drea, mm-hmm. uh, thanks so much for coming on the show. I know you're very busy today. Um, you, Aren't we all? You're doing, uh, I know. You're doing your best to hold the mainstream media and the activists to account for th- their lack of forthcoming information on this they're getting the story wrong from the very beginning they said it was mass graves they said it was murder um now we but the truth is we really don't know what it is and you know i, I think oh, you know hopefully hopefully we find out soon i'm not optimistic i think um the further away we get from the dis discovery mm-hmm. um the uh lack of information i think becomes greater i think a lot of people who jumped on the bandwagon from the very beginning now just want this to be part of a a distant past Mm. um but i know you're not going to let it go drea once again thanks so much for coming on the show thanks for your great work on this um and you know your ongoing advocacy for uh christians in this country to just be able to live their lives in the public square unmolested by the state and activists
1: Well, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Bye, everyone.
0: Well, as always, this is the portion of the show wherein we invite your viewer feedback, unlike the mainstream media who really don't care about, well, anything you have to say, they really just care about making sure that they get your money (laughs) from Justin Trudeau in their coffers. Without you, there is no Rebel News. So I want to hear from you. It's the reason I give out my email address right now. It's sheila at rebelnews.com. Put gun show letters in the subject line so I know why you're reaching out to me, because I can get up to, well, frankly, hundreds of emails a day, depending on what sort of controversial or rambunctious antics us rebels are getting up to on any given day. David Menzies Um, but also don't hesitate to leave a comment question story idea wherever you're watching us so if you're watching the free version of the show and you've sat through a couple of ads we appreciate you for doing that so if you're watching us on YouTube or if you're watching us on rumble go ahead leave something in the comment section I frequently go looking through there um, for whatever you have to say and actually today's comes from the email bag And it comes from a regular viewer of the show, Bruce Atchison. He lives in beautiful Radway, Alberta, um, where they have a really great army surplus store there, in case you're interested. And uh, he writes to me on my show with my friend Robbie Picard from Oil, Sand, Strong, and Oil & Gas World magazine last week. And Bruce writes... Hi Sheila, Robbie's interview was quite good, and he only swore twice. That must be a record for him. Yeah, talk about rambunctious there. Um, he, and he kept it to like a PG thirteen level swearing, which <laughs> makes it easier on my editors. Um, you know, I'm not one to uh censor people, so I I really don't care. I'm I'm a farmer. My family's from the oil patch, so I'm not um. Clutching my pearls over rough language, but I know that we have uh, Christians and, and and other people who you know that they, they don't like that kind of language who watch the show. So if I can remember, sometimes I'll give a little bit of a language warning. I know I have to do it on the live stream on Fridays. Sometimes when we're showing clips um, from outside, you know, like found clips from the internet, um, like Sean Strickland. I Sean Strickland went off on the Canadian media and Justin Trudeau, and there were a lot of F-bombs in that. And again, I'm not blushing about it, but I know that we have some people who regularly watch you, just don't use that sort of language. And I'm not about to censor it, but I feel like I should have given everybody a bit of a, just a little bit of a warning, because it can be kind of jarring at like 11 o'clock in the morning (laughs) when you're just tuning in with your coffee to watch Sheila ramble about stuff for an hour on a Friday, and then you've got nothing but F-bombs from Sean Strickland. Anyway, Bruce writes, but seriously, I'm glad those Hollywood hacks are being ratioed so hard on social networks. Um, we were talking about the anniversary anniversary of Robbie running Jane Fonda <laughs> out of Fort McMurray. She went on an oil sands bashing tour and he caught her at the local Moxies and just gave her the what force <laughs> in the parking lot. Because she went there to say, you know, like, oh, you're poisoning the groundwater of the indigenous people. And Robbie, Indigenous himself, was like, listen, sister, this is a job creator and a wealth creator for Indigenous people. And there are multiple partnerships between oil and gas companies and the bands that are creating generational wealth for his people. And he wasn't going to let some white, privileged Hollywood lady come to his town and badmouth the jobs of Indigenous people. And it was um, beautiful. Anyway. Anyway. I especially love what Robbie said about Native people and the dignity they feel when they're employed. It's the dignity we all feel. I don't think it's exclusive to uh, Indigenous people. There is value in hard work and earning your way in this world and, and showing your children that this is the way. This is the way, that nobody's coming with a handout for you. And if you they come with a handout for you, you probably shouldn't take it because when the government gives you something with one hand, the other hand is always a fist as Andrew Wilkow uh, always says on his Sirius XM show. Uh, let's keep going. I sure remember the thrill I had when I earned my first paycheck. Being legally blind, jobs were, and still are, hard to come by. That first $350 I earned gave me so much joy that I actually earned it. It wasn't charity or welfare. I actually was paid for what I did. This is why Robbie's stories mean so much to me. People need hope, not dope. That's great. I also survived the cold snap, but my furnace died. I'm glad the repair guy resurrected it, and I'm warm again. Sincerely, Bruce. Yeah, it was bitterly cold. (laughs) I think it was about like minus 53 for a couple of days here. The school buses didn't run, um, and that's also when we got that emergency alert saying that we had a potential grid failure uh, because of increased electricity demand, um, even though we are a province that is absolutely dripping in coal. And oil and gas. Um, and that has to do with the accelerated cool fees out thanks to Rachel Notley. These are her chickens coming home to roost. Ironic that she resigned in the week that we had that emergency alert that she ultimately caused in 2015. And takes a while for bad things to catch up, doesn't it? Well, everybody, that's the show for tonight. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. I'll see everybody back here in the same time, in the same place next week. And... Don't let the government tell you that you've had too much to think.